It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where our Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. Well, good morning. It is time for faith and life to collide. I, I mean, connect. Um, welcome to the session. I'm Scott. He is Tom. And uh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I just thought I'd make sure you were still with me. I am. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we are going to uh, hopefully wrap up our seven ways Christians should deal with stress and anxiety. And we'll get through the four through seven today. That's the goal. I'm worried about that, Scott. Well, don't stress over it. <laughs> uh, before we dive into that, though, let's right. do a little bit of uh, heritage housekeeping, so to speak. Yes. You've, you've got somebody new on staff. We do. Her name is Kristen Kurtz, and she is our new play therapist. So let's define what a play therapist is. Are we talking about Shakespeare here or blocks? <laughs> We're talking more about blocks. Okay. Where we use play in various forms for very, for young children to begin to express how they feel. If they had dolls, they may interact playing with the dolls in a way that they see something happening in their life and they'll translate that into the dolls and somebody hurting somebody or something like that or abusing somebody. Those kinds of things can show up through play. Where it may not be able to be spoken. Right. And that's a critical thing right now. There are a lot of kids who just don't know how to express what they're feeling. That's true. And we feel very blessed and honored to have Kristen join us. Um, she's also going to be doing some other uh, more generalized treatment for things like anxiety and depression. And very encouraged. Stay tuned. She should be on board in the next 10 days or so. Well, here, here's just a random thought thrown out there while we're doing this. Okay. What if we had Kristen on to talk about play therapy on the session? Well, you know what? We'll, I'll ask her. See, part well, of your responsibility. That also means I've got to get that third microphone fixed. Oh, All right. Yes. Get your checkbook. Uh, <laughs> um, no. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we need to go into our focal passage here for Mental Health Awareness Month, and that's what May is, so we need to get right. that in. So we've had this passage for the Mental Health Months. It is Paul's writings in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Great passage of encouragement. Yeah, and the peace of God. Is there anything better, more uh, comforting to think about the peace of God? No. Yeah. No, I'll take that. I'll take that any day a week. So we are going to continue uh, into our seven ways Christians should deal with stress and anxiety. It is uh, from Aaron Loy from Relevant Magazine, and we have discussed 
First of all, admitting there's a problem and to stop self-medicating in unhealthy ways to take care of yourself physically. Boy, did you meddle in that one last week. <laughs> and uh, we dive into number four. And remember, if you missed any of that, this is all sitting archived for you on the podcast network at shinefmohio.com. So you can go back and check on previous episodes. We dive into number four now, and we talk about being intentional about what goes into your mind. My understanding years ago when the computer first was created that they used the brain like a model of what the computer should act like or, or work like. I wonder if it made that sound that dial-up used to make. <laughs> <laughs> or does your mind make? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like me in the morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the reason I bring that up is what you download into the computer is what you're going to print out, or that's what you're going to have output. So what goes input comes out of the com uh, the computer. So if keep in mind, if it's the reflection of what the mind is like, that is still also very true. What we put into the mind is what stays there, and then that's what comes out. Well, think about how what you put into your mind and how it shapes your life. It's it is so concerning for our young people. They don't think it is because all their friends are doing it, so it has to be okay. Which goes back to that peer pressure, peer priority thing that you talk about. Yes. You know, and, and that's just as valid, I think, in adults. Uh-huh. My daughter picks on me all the time. Oh. If my one neighbor has cut his lawn, uh -huh. within 24 hours, I have to cut mine. Oh, wow. Because your daughter is... Because, she, well, she's, she always makes fun of me. Adult peer pressure when the neighbor cuts his lawn. <laughs> That's true. Yes, honey, I do because I like those neighbors and I know they pay right. attention to their lawn and I want to pay attention to mine so that we are together. Well, I have a suggestion, Scott. What's that? Have you ever taught her how to start the mower? Uh, yes, I have. And if my back keeps going like it is, <laughs> she, she may have to. At that point, though, I think she's going to suggest I buy a riding mower. <laughs> or I'll just start borrowing waltz. Yeah. So, yeah. So being intentional about what goes into your mind, and I know you've got a, a specific passage around this thought. It's, again, Paul's writings in Philippians 4. It's one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible is Philippians chapter 4. It's just so rich with stuff. Verse 8 is an example. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul is pointing to the fact that what we fill our minds with has a profound impact and effect on who and what we are. So if you put in negative, you're going to get negative out. If you put in joy and positivity, you're going to get that out. That's true. And so when we begin to look at the stress connection here, when you think about it, that which is true, well, how's that going to impact us physically if we're focused on what is true? How about if you try to hang on to a lie? What does that do to you physically? Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure there are people out there that are sitting on a lie that just stirs them and whether they can sleep and they can't get it off their mind. I, I think that's very true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right. Well, again, if you're focused on that which is right, it's going to be energy producing. It's going to be healing. And the stress level will absolutely go down. Now, that takes me back to our definition of what stress is. 
which we've always taught that stress is the mind's bo- the body's reaction to what the mind is thinking. Right. So it, if what you're putting into your mind is going to come out in your body in one form or fashion. That's true. And so there, again, is where you may have tension. You may have uh, physical ailment because of what are you putting in it? What, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on what is true? Boy, I'd love to know what I'm putting in my mind that causes backaches. Oh, that's uh, the one right now that I'm really just like, what in the world? Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So maybe I can go sit with uh, with Kristen and we can do some play therapy about deciding what that means. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yes. See, that's how... Nah, I better not. Uh, Behave, Scott. Okay. So anything <laughs> else about being intentional about what goes into our mind? Well, you know, I, I think it's also to be said, whatever is excellent... Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, again, what that does to the tension in our minds, if we are focused on that which is pure, that which is um, lovely and admirable, if it's praiseworthy, we should focus on it. Now our minds are having a chance to relax. Think about how you feel in the middle of worship and how powerful that is. Well, that's the kind of thinking that we're having here. We can be praising the Lord. We can we can focus on that which is admirable and that which is lovely throughout the the day, and think about what that will do to our general mental health and spiritual health. Mm. So we're we're talking about seven ways Christians should deal with stress and anxiety by Aaron Loy from Relevant Magazine, and number five is don't neglect the spiritual. This is so important. So, yeah, we can't focus so much on one thing that we forget the main thing. Well, that's true. Um, The enemy will whisper lies in our ear about our identity, who who we are. How about our self-worth? I am amazed at the number of people who have a view of themselves that is not healthy. Their view of themselves is one that is anything but worth showing self-worth it's how bad i am and it in my opinion is clearly an important place where the enemy lies and wants to impact a person's self-worth in matthew three seventeen, i i call it the family baptism because that's when jesus was baptized and the father in heaven came to the baptism that made it a family baptism But he said, this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. And that is how our Heavenly Father feels about us. But the enemy doesn't want us to believe that. When we hurt, we tend to identify who we are and our worth based on the fact that I don't feel good emotionally. And the enemy twists that. It is so profoundly important that we recognize that the enemy is doing that, but who we are is his beloved child. We were created in his image. Well, let's embrace that. Yeah. And think about how you feel when you know that you are loved. To think that we are joint heirs with Jesus. Well, an heir Joint, I think, is a word that means equal heir with Jesus. And what he, well, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And we're going to receive that? 
Wow. Now, Matthew West has a song called Hello, My Name Is. And it comes out, Hello, My Name Is, Child of the One True King. Yeah. Well, and it's true. We can say a lot about what our identity. You know, guys do the guy thing. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm a counselor. You're a <laughs> radio person. I'm a radio guy. Yeah. But ultimately, number one, we are a child of the king. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, boy, so I can I can continue to go on about that. I, I was going to say, I think I got you a little bit riled up there. <laughs> <laughs> so our status before God, our past, our future, our hope, that's what's also so powerful is that when we embrace hope in our lives, just by embracing hope, I think we begin to feel better. But because we can be so hard on ourselves, we lose hope. Hope is such a powerful thing. I've, I've said it before, and let me emphasize again, that Paul lumped it together in, in 1 Corinthians 13 with the greatest there is, is love. But those three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is being love. Well, hope was right in there with it. Where would we be without faith as well? But hope produces energy. It produces a mindset that's relaxing. It, it gives us a focus that, that has a, an incredible impact on how we feel. Well, where is our hope? You know, it's in our, in our God and in, in what he has planned for us. You don't put your trust in gold and other stuff, you know, that, that Jesus said, this stuff's all going to rust, it's going to, moths are going to eat stuff, it's all going to fade away, but right. I am true. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I will never fade away. So as we continue on about how we should deal with stress and anxiety, we talk about all these ways to deal with it. If nothing works, right? if you just can't get past it, then the next step is obviously go see a professional, see a doctor. And it's very likely, Scott, then there's something physical going on that you do want to. And if you've been under stress long enough, the very likelihood is that stress has created some kind of issue. You might want to go to a, to a doctor. Ulcer. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people out there that want to say, you know what, I want to pray about it and I want God's will to, to be to heal it. You know, I, I absolutely believe and have experienced healing before. When my wife prayed for me, I was very sick the morning I was supposed to do my mom's eulogy in mm. her funeral. And I'm like, I don't think I can even get out of bed. I'm not even going to be able to go to this. And my wife came in. I was asleep, and she laid hands on my stomach where I, I had the stomach flu that was so horrible. And she began to pray. And most amazing thing, I could feel this warmth. That's what woke me up. I was asleep, but I could feel the warmth. And it was from there that I began to recover and I made it. Mm. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a really, very real thing. If every time we said it and God did it, then what would happen to our faith? Right. God uses doctors. He blessed them with the knowledge. He called them to be a doctor for a reason. And they should be there to, to help. I am so thankful. Three times in my life, we chose a doctor. I wouldn't be here. Right. Medicine's there for a reason. God gave people the wisdom to create medicine. 
That's right. Gave us the ability to understand how our body works to be able, you know, we're discovering our body has spare parts that God gave us. We're about to see that happen with my granddaughter uh-huh. with her strokes. Mm-hmm. It's because of uh, poor blood flow through the arter, the main arteries that supply her brain with blood coming up through her spine. Well, those arteries are weak. So what they're going to do is they're going to take some arteries or blood vessels up in the front of her head and actually crack her head and lay those blood vessels on her brain in the front. Wow. They will create their own capillaries and supply blood flow to the front of the brain that was not getting as much blood flow as before. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that... <clears throat> That is beyond my ability. That's beyond a Big Ten education right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to think that, that that could happen. I Yeah, it's, a, it's like spare parts when you have bypass surgery. Right. They take the vein out of your thigh uh-huh. to create the graft they need to put it in to do the bypass. Right. Well, we do have some spare parts, Scott. It just so happens I'm running out of this. <laughs> Yeah, when you start losing your, your appendix, your gallbladder. Yeah. You right. know, eventually you run out of things you can spare, but you, we have two kidneys. Yeah. We have two lungs. There are people running around on one lung. Oh, my goodness. There are people yeah. running around with one kidney because they there's it, there's a teacher here that donated a kidney to a student. We have the spare parts. Wow, that's And God something. gave us the wisdom to be able to utilize it that way. Well, that's true. So I only have a couple more spare parts I can sacrifice. <laughs> My children are like, Dad, that's a, not a recommended way to that, lose weight. That's not the way to do that. No, <laughs> it is not. But it's okay to talk to a doctor. I guess that's the real key there. And number seven is to embrace the blessing of brokenness. If you're walking through a valley of anxiety right now, there is a way out. And we can pray and find it. But let me also go even deeper there, Scott, that when we talk about brokenness, we want to be broken. When we try to do it on our own, when we think we are all that and we are on top of our game and pride begins to pop out our ears, I don't think that's, that's going to be much help. But when we are broken, here is Paul again. Paul said, in my weakness, in my weakness, Jesus, you are made strong. How powerful is that? Sometimes we have to be broken to really see what God wants to do. Amen. Yeah. If we, like you said, if we do, if we get to the point where we think we're all that in a bag of chips, somebody needs to crunch the bag of chips. Are they Joneses? Oh, <laughs> well, they got to at least be wavy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we ha- it's it's okay to real, and it, I think the real the real point of conversion happens when we realize that we're broken. Yeah. And it's okay to admit that. It's true. Because it's in our weakness that he is made strong. If I'm thinking right, in Philippians 4, again, verse 13, he says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right. Where was he when he said that? What was going on with him? Uh, Jail. Yeah. And he's saying that from jail. And he was content. You know, the first step in coming to Christ as your Savior is being broken enough to realize that you are a sinner. Yeah. Until you realize that, right? you you can't come to Christ. That's right. You know, that's, yeah. that's that when you realize that you are a sinner and you are in need of a Savior, that's your first step right. toward understanding you need Jesus as your Savior. And I think it's important that we realize at that point how the enemy wants to 
messed with that completely. Yeah, you're that bad. God doesn't want you. Right. You're just you're too bad to be wanted. You've crossed the line. Yeah. No, that's not true. You know, Jesus didn't hang on a cross with a sign that said, "This is for well, just for these people, but not for these people." There was nothing like that. You know, he died for all of us. So there are the seven ways that we can deal with stress and anxiety. Now, like we said a minute ago, it may be okay to go to the doctor. Right. And it may be that going to see a Christian counselor can be beneficial to dealing with this because if you don't know where it's coming from, right? the first thing you got to do is admit there's a problem, but you got to find the source of it. That's right. And that's where you can come in and help and do that in session. That's why you have so many different counselors on staff like uh, like Kristen Kurtz that can help define where problems are so that they can then be put out in the light where Jesus is and dealt with. That's right. So how can they get a hold of you to chat, Tom? Here's your pop quiz of the day. All right. It's an open book. What then? <laughs> well, it depends on if you remember to write them down. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, in Mansfield, 419-526-5523. And in the Ashland office, the number is? It is 496 zero 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 seven and the new number in shelby it is five six seven eight four four zero zero three six hey i remembered it hey i got i got a partial step ahead of you there online tom has a new website to take a look at too it's heritage christian counseling ministries Dot com and remember if you came in in the middle like what are these two nuts talking about <laughs> you can finally get the whole show under the podcast network at shinefmohio.com and i will have the full show notes of everything that we've talked about during our time in dealing with stress and worry and we thank you for joining us today on the session 